Thank you so much there in our praise band. I can testify to you, and I know from personal experience there is nothing better than Jesus and no greater place to be. We're glad that you're here today. Would you find in your Bibles 2 Kings chapter 4? We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7, Old Testament book of 2 Kings. Uh, Greetings from First Baptist Church of Sitka, Alaska. They will be meeting because of time change, I guess about four hours from now. And a little church uh, there in that town of Sitka that we were able to come and uh, be able to minister to in this past week. And a great time that we had. Now, a little church that we doubled or tripled, I think, what their usual size was as we came in to be able to worship, and uh, we did all kinds of, uh, went door to door, and uh, spoke to lots of people, inviting them to the church, inviting them to Vacation Bible School that week, as well as to seeking to share our faith. We did a lot of work there in the community, as well as work there at the church, VBS uh, for kids that uh, came, excited to be able to be a part. We saw uh, souls saved, people come to know Jesus. It was an exciting time. Appreciate your prayers. And you were there with us. We represented you, represented Jesus uh, as well. They have a brand new pastor there, Pastor Craig. This would be his third Sunday as the pastor there. But they have a, a vision. We want to see more people come to know Jesus and the vision for that community. And so you, we're going to continue to pray for First Baptist Church Sitka. Also, group, as you've already heard, of Pensacola, Florida, uh, that have been working. They've been inviting, sharing, witnessing, and uh, they're inviting to that a couple of crusades this weekend on uh, Friday and Saturday night. And uh, they probably don't call them crusades anymore. That's probably an old term. But anyway, they're inviting lots of people to come be a part and had literally hundreds to make decisions over the last couple of nights in Florida. And so we covered the nation from Alaska to Florida at Parkway Baptist Church. You did it, so it's your church as well. And uh, so we, and your mission trips as we come and do those things. So appreciate your part about that. And listen, we did get in early this morning. And if somebody falls asleep next to you, it's probably not somebody from uh, the mission trip. I'm just letting you know. But through the Lord's help, we're going to keep everybody awake today and what he has. And already our spirits have been uh, made alive through our worship already that's taken place today. We're in 2 Kings. We are in chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I will say, I prayed early this morning. Again, I said, Lord, if I'm, if I'm going to do this today, I'm going to need your help. And he answered back. And he said, uh, on your best day, you couldn't do it without me. So we're always relying on the Lord. So we've, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 begins like this. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourselves and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when the one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons as she poured. They brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. You've probably heard the term before. Maybe you can't see the forest but the trees, meaning maybe sometimes that uh, there are such obstacles or maybe problems that are close to you or that you're facing that it's hard to see. 
beyond them, hard to see the bigger picture, hard to see God's plan. Well, it's my hope today that you'll be able to see the bigger picture, even if you are facing obstacles, even if you are have some problems that are taking place, that you'll be able to see that God always has a plan. When I first started preaching, in fact, my first full-time pastorate, I had called the former pastor, one of the former pastors, and I asked him his advice. I said, what, you know, what advice would you give me? One of the things he said was, he said, you know, you just want to preach something, a message that'll get them through the week. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, well, encouragement through the week, that's a good thing. But it didn't take long to be convicted that uh, it was more, we needed more, and the congregation needs more than just something that'll get us through the week. That we need to see the big picture. We need to see the big plan. Encouragement for today is always good, and we're going to get some of that today. But we need to see beyond ourselves and know that God is always working. In fact, a New Testament verse, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, here's how it says in the ESV. It says, My God shall apply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So this will serve kind of a New Testament theme to this Old Testament story because tucked away in the history of the kings of Israel and Judah is this short story. Here's a woman. She's about to go under. She's lost her husband and she is in debt and she's about to lose her sons when she encounters Elisha, the prophet of God. And not only Elisha, but she encounters Elisha God, Elisha's God the one and only. And while we've learned much about the kings of Israel, we've learned also from Elijah the prophet. We've learned already from Elisha the prophet. Well, today we're going to learn from this poor widow. And sometimes you may be in situations or circumstances, perhaps not of your own making, and wonder, well, what's a person to do in this particular situation that you're in? Or sometimes what's a family to do? But the Lord always has a plan. Lord always is working out His purposes. Now you can go to the bookstore today, or you could Google or go to Amazon, and you can find lots of books on perhaps parenting or family relationships, sometimes self-help books or sometimes mental health books, and some might really be a help. But I want to let you know today that help for every person, help for every family member is found in God's Word. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this story, this little short story that we've read today, and knowing all of God's Word, we don't know all of God's Word, but looking at all of God's Word, we're going to look at biblical truths, no matter what your situation you're in. Biblical truths, no matter what your circumstances are today. You've got your notes maybe there. Also be on the Jumbotron. So here's the first one that you need to know. You need to fulfill the role that God has for you. Fulfill the role that God has for you. Now, God may have you in a role as a wife or a mother or father or husband or daughter, sister, brother, friend, or maybe many of the above. We need to fulfill the role that God has for you at this particular time until that role perhaps changes if it does change. Now, men, godly leadership in the home and in the church is to begin with you. You want to fulfill that role. And ladies, as you see your husband leading in a direction that you know pleases God, men of the church may be even leading in a particular direction, I know you will gladly follow if, that, if they're following in a godly way. But we know, we know often sometimes you must take action and you must also lead out in the home and in other places in a godly direction. Now we know a Christian home is not immune from problems. As a matter of fact, as believers, we sometimes face even more problems because we know there's spiritual warfare that is always taking place. We know that 
the devil's always looking to see how he might stop us from further growing in Christ or kingdom work. And we know sometimes there uh, could even be persecution, certainly more so than the average person or the average home. But in this particular story, we've got this lady that we're going to learn from. Doesn't give us her name, doesn't even tell us where she lives. Now, I find myself wanting to give her a name, and so I'm going to call her. I'm going to give her a name today, so when I use that name, you'll know I'm talking. I, I just don't want to say poor widow the whole time. So I'm going to call her Faithful Frida. So you hear me calling Faithful or just Frida somewhere along the way. you know who I'm talking about. The problem is, about a couple of minutes after I said this in the first service, I saw a couple walk in, and I kept thinking, they probably wonder who in the world Frida is. But we're going to call her Frida, so you might remember that she's faithful but she was placed in a position not of her own choosing her husband faithful godly man as she claims that he is son of one of the prophets son of a preacher man we might say he died and the debt left behind has become insurmountable and the the creditors are coming to take her two sons as slaves we probably need to know that the law of Moses did have some regulations concerning debt and interest. And certainly they were not to take family members as slaves, but it wasn't all that uncommon. Also, widows were to be taken care of. The Levitical law would gave uh, evidence as to how they were to be taken care of by family and some of these things that were taking place. But it wasn't always known that they followed exactly what the scripture told, almost like sometimes, like we do today, but they were not always. As a matter of fact, in that day, widows often were left to become prostitutes or beggars. But faithful Frida cries out for help. And she asked Elijah, Elisha, I'll still call Elisha Elijah sometimes, but you stay with me, Elisha, the prophet for help. And she's looking to God and God's man, and she could have done less. In this society in which little or no provision sometimes is made for widows, even though it should have been, uh, but she didn't give up. She continued to crawl out. Many marriages sometimes fall apart because one or both partners simply decide to give up. Sometimes children are left to be slaves to this world sometimes because parents simply give up. Consider those who become slaves to drugs and alcohol and sexual sins into this world. So parents, don't give up. This is to be a message of encouragement. Don't give up in whatever situation that you're facing. Whatever role you find yourself in today, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfill that role. Married, single, divorced, widowed. Take care to intentionally continue to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to show your love to others. Following godly leadership, providing leadership, whatever the case may be. First Peter chapter 3, Peter's writing to a particular group of churches, and that is he's writing. It almost seems like he's answering questions that people are asking. We don't have the questions. We can probably surmise on some of the questions. But in First Peter chapter 3, it seems that Peter's answering the questions for maybe some of the ladies who have become believers, but their husbands are not. And it is as, as if they have asked the question, well, should I, he's not a believer, but we're married. Should I stay with him even though he's not a believer? And Peter responds back to, as if to say, if at all possible, you want to stay married because one, it pleases the Lord, but also so that you might be able to win your husbands to the Lord. So whatever place and position that you're in today, it may be that the Lord has placed you there for such a time as this that you may not be able to see right now and that... He sees and knows where you are 
And he wants to be able to help you whatever situation, also to be able to use whatever circumstance so that the Lord might be able to allow you to be a blessing to those who are around you, those who know you, or those who will know you. So Elisha asked Frida a couple of questions. We found in verse 2, the first one is, what shall I do for you? And the second is, what do you have in your house? Now, the answer to the first question, what shall I do for you, seems pretty obvious what, you know, she's going to be in need of there. But it lets us know that Elisha was ready to follow the responsibility that Israelites had toward other Israelites. He was going to take care of the obligations and responsibilities that, uh, that this widow might be able to have in whatever way that he could and however the Lord provided. The second question. What do you have in your house? It reminds me of two passages, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The Old Testament passage is when uh, Moses was at the burning bush, and the Lord asked there through the burning bush, what's in your hand, Moses? And he says, oh, nothing. I have nothing in my hand but a staff. He said, throw it down, Moses. We turn the staff over to the Lord. Well, God's power was... uh, then be able to see it was demonstrated through Moses and even through the staff at times and certainly there at the burning bush but also in the New Testament when Jesus asked the disciples at the feeding of the 5,000 well what do you have to feed these people they said well we have nothing only five barley loaves and two small fishes what's that among so many but the Lord fed the 5,000 and the only miracle that's included in all four gospels but both begin with well we have nothing you know except whatever this is. And so we have the woman, Frida, faithful Frida says to Elisha, there's nothing. What's in the house? Nothing, except a little oil. Of course, there's an obvious lesson that is repeated often in Scripture that the Lord can do a lot with a little (laughs) if we turn it over to Him. Maybe part of our problem in the society and culture in which we live is that we have so much. What do you have if the Lord asks? Well, we got a lot. Are we really going to ready? Maybe too much to turn over to God. How hard it is maybe to turn so much over to the Lord. Or we have so much we forget that we really have a need for God, forgetting that if we have anything, it's only because of what God uh, has given us. But, but I wonder if at first this lady, this faithful Frida we call her, hesitated to answer. And she said, I have nothing, just a little bit of oil. Maybe she's thinking... You really want me to turn the little bit that I have over? Or what good is that going to do uh, for Elisha or for me? So I have a little little left. I have a little jar of oil. What good could it do? But it does help us know biblical truth. It helps us regard the situation. Give over what you have to Jesus. However much, however little, whoever you are, give over what you have to Jesus. Now, I want to do us a little inventory of what we may have, what you may have as a follower of the Lord Jesus that we might be ready to turn over to Him. And I'm using the word serve maybe to help us to understand that we are to turn it over, everything over to Him in service to Him. If you've ever been through one of our Discover Parkway classes, we use this same acronym in order to be able to describe maybe some of the things on how we can be involved in church and how we can be involved in the Lord's work. And the S stands for spiritual gifts. At the moment that we are saved, Holy Spirit comes in us and uh, sometimes called the Spirit of Jesus and we're able to have spiritual gifts. And every one of us have one or more. I believe all of us have multiple spiritual gifts that we're able to give back to the Lord. We should not be so prideful to think that uh, we have so much that God sure must be glad to have me. Nor should we be so self-deprecating that we think we have little or nothing 
to offer the Lord. As a member of God's family, you have something to offer. Some of the gifts include but are not limited to the gift of teaching and shepherding and prophecy and mercy and service and giving and evangelism, encouragement and uh, administration, just to name a few. Even if you cannot name yours, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you have something to offer the Lord. You have spiritual gifts in order to offer to, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in service to Him and to His church. I think it's one of the reasons we're given spiritual gifts at the moment. Of salvation is so whether you think you had anything or not to give you've got something that you might be able to give over ease experiences uh, both the good experiences and the not so good no matter what your past has been you can give it over to be used maybe to help others maybe to build character in your, for your own life or maybe for encouragement give your past experiences over to him and there are many good experiences to where you've experienced the Lord Jesus or good things in your life that you want to pass over to others and you want to be able to share with others. And there could be some tough things that you've gone through, even mistakes that you've been forgiven of or maybe there's some that you need to be forgiven of now so that you might be able to turn that over to Him. We'll have a hard time to allow the Lord to uh, be able to use our experiences in the past or bad experiences uh, the mistakes we've made if we have not repented of those. So today's, today's a good day to think about this. Let's not just do this for academic reasons, something that we can talk about, but even today, oh, Lord, what is it in the past that I've not asked your forgiveness, maybe not forgiven myself that I need to give over to the Lord so that he might be able to use it. For what is it they say? Nothing's wasted in God's economy, so he can use whatever you have gone through. The R stands for relationships. You understand this. We need to give our relationships over to the Lord. But maybe a little comment. If, if you have an unhealthy or strained relationship, even now you want to give it over to Jesus. Ask Him for a breakthrough. If it's a relationship that's pulling you down, ask Him for wisdom. Turn your marriage and your home over to the Lord. It, it's all part of this. Always remember that the Lord will not lead you to do something in a relationship that is contrary to or different from God's Word. All your relationships, whether it be your relationships in the home, uh, on the job, classmates, teammates, neighbors, friends, all those relationships need to be turned over to Him so that you might be able to represent Jesus in your relationships, whether other people know Jesus or not. The V is for vocation. Have you turned your vocation over to the Lord and asked Him to bless it? I, it, whatever that vocation may be. I will tell you that my wife taught me a long time ago, never ask a lady if she works or not. But you can ask, do you work outside the home? And I know many of them do both of those things in uh, greatest work that there is. I, there's uh, probably uh, what takes place in the home, homemaker, wife, and mother. And we understand that. But regardless of your vocation, uh, your job needs to be your ministry. Lord, how can you use this? Or it needs to be changed. Enthusiasm is the E, you know, the last E in serve. What is it that you're passionate about? Is it children? You love to work with children or teenagers, senior adults, helping the poor, even sports? If you're enthused about it, well, okay, turn that over to the Lord. Or a hobby, a computer stuff. Even if you like eating at restaurants, sometimes, well, I've lost some of you. You're thinking about where you're going to eat today already. Come on back. Whatever it is, whatever you're passionate about, turn it over to the Lord. But if you turn it over to the Lord, it also might mean your enthusiasms and your passions, the Lord might tweak some or change. Or He might totally transform. 
to be something that can be used for God. And we turn these over to Him. We recognize that the Lord can use whatever we're passionate about or He'll make us passionate, more passionate about Him. That's true about not only your passions, but your relationships, what you own, even your vocation. If it is such that you cannot turn it over to God, like a job that you know that does not honor Him, or a relationship that you know dishonors the marriage vow, a hobby or a habit that you know that the Lord is displeased with, well, then you need to have the courage that with the Lord's help to make some radical changes. Faithful Frida, we're calling the lady here that is the poor widow, she was willing to do what Elisha asked. Go to her neighbors and ask for a lot of empty jars, empty vessels. Now, the neighbors may not have known her need before. Maybe they knew of her need. They weren't willing to help. But a lot, apparently, a lot of them now are giving her jars. Maybe they were giving her jars just to get rid of her, to say, get, get, I, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, when we seek to be faithful to the Lord, sometimes putting pride aside will be necessary. Now, if you read this more than once, because I didn't notice it before the first time that I've read this, or I've probably read it many times. But you see that she must have understood what Elisha expected to happen. She, she apparently picked up a lot of jars because of the outcome. She shows much faith. He said, don't ask for just a few. So she goes out and asks, and the picture you probably get, she's going door to door, can I borrow some jars? But as the, as the oil begins to flow... Did you notice there in verse 5, was it? As she's pouring, they're now bringing her more vessels and jars. So maybe it became known what was happening, that it wasn't something that even though she started, we'll talk about behind closed doors earlier, maybe it became such known that other people wanted to see. And so finally they were, she was out of jars in the house, out of jars maybe in the whole uh, community. Now Elijah... Elisha's mentor had performed a similar miracle for a widow during a drought. The widow had in her house a little flour and a jug of oil. Elijah told her that no matter how much she used, her flour and oil would never run dry until the drought was over. Now, many years had passed, and Elijah had been taken up to heaven, been taken up to heaven. In fact, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in that particular story to where there were the chariots of fire that carried Elijah off in the whirlwind. And uh, so maybe she heard the story of Elijah and how that had taken place because the Bible says not only did Elisha see it, but 50 sons of the prophets. You think they'd keep that quiet? So maybe she heard that. That increased her faith because somebody had shared with her about, about that very thing. And maybe those, as well as others in the community, or maybe even... Uh, this particular story about this other widow that Elijah had helped to wear her flour and her oil uh, never run dry. Um, while we were in Sitka, Alaska this week, we took a break from working in the community, did a lot of work in the community as well as on the church and the pastorium that were there. We took about one morning, went out for about three hours, just seeking to be encouraging. Town of 8,000 people, we were told about... Uh, the cruises were coming in to be about 9,000 people that would be coming into this town. So we just did, let's go try to strike up conversations. Just you'd be a fellow tourist, but try to strike up conversations to uh, be an encouragement, invite particularly store owners, shopkeepers, those kinds of things, people in the town to First Baptist Church and seeking to have 
uh, conversations about faith. After I had a couple of conversations, I saw two old men sitting on the bench right in the center of town. And there was a place for a third old man to sit down. I sat down. Found a, man, I found the place because every now and then, another one, if one man got up, another old man would sit down. And every time they sat down, first thing they talked about, said, oh man, my hip replacement, my knee replacement, or something that they had to be replaced. Every one that I was the only one that hadn't had anything replaced. I felt a little, out, a little uh, jealous that I hadn't had anything replaced. But we, so we talked about, you know, we talked a little bit about faith and uh, got into different conversations with each one. There was a met a Baptist and a Methodist and a Catholic and a non-denominational person who was on the cruise with David Jeremiah. So I, I thought that'd be a good cruise to go on as well. Any cruise is probably a good cruise to go on. But uh, as we talked, the gentleman that stayed sitting beside me the longest, as he sat there and shared, he he uh, he gave me his testimony. He said in 2019 he had been uh, diagnosed. Uh, with a sickness. I forget exactly what he'd been diagnosed with. He said he had five doctors. Four of the doctors said that he was terminal. He wouldn't be, last, wouldn't be here on earth very much longer. Fifth doctor said that he wasn't terminal and gave him hope. But he said that one night while in the hospital, he had a vision. The vision was that the, there was a chariot with wheels of fire that was coming to get him. And he prayed, Lord, help me, because he said, I knew that I wasn't right with the Lord. And I asked the Lord to come and help me, and the Lord saved me. And here I am today. And he said that my life was changed. I put my faith in the Lord Jesus, and I've been living for him ever since. And I said, oh, thank you for sharing me that story. And I told him, I, I told him, well, first of all, I told him, I'm a pastor. I said, you know that, you know that chariot with wheels of fire? And I preached on Elisha in the chariots of fire just last week. And then I said, you know, we've come out here to be an encouragement. I said, but you are such an encouragement to me to be able to share your story. And he Share that story, increase faith. How do we show much faith? How do we increase our faith? Now, we need to be careful here that we do not just make the connection of planning big. In other words, let's build bigger buildings and we'll have faith that the Lord will build. Let's have a bigger wallet and, you know, a faith that the Lord's going to fill the wallet or more classrooms and whatever those kinds of things. Churches do not build bigger church buildings just to show that we have more faith. What is it? Remember our key passage from the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God will meet all your needs. Probably need to point out, it doesn't say he's going to meet all your wants or desires and luxury, in spite of what some slick haired, smiling preachers might tell you at some point. Um, when I was in college, I probably told you before because I've used a couple of illustrations about it, but part of my way as I worked through college, I worked for. Uh, AmSouth, what it was then, AmSouth Bank in uh, Birmingham in collection and repossession of vehicles. I was a repo man. My mom was so proud. And uh, no, well, she probably was just glad that I had a job, uh, particularly. And, uh, but uh, uh, people come up with all kinds of excuses of why they, you know, you don't need to pick up their car. And now two things this did for me, of course. One was that it helped me pay tuition and does give a lot of illustrations. But one particular lady, she said, well, you can't come, you, I can't, she can't pay and we can't come pick up her car. And she was several months behind. And, and I, really, I tried to help people as much as possible. Can you be a repo man and still help people? But uh, she said, because Jesus is going to make my car payment. Now, I'm interested in this because I'm a ministerial student. I'm on staff at a church. I know, and I'm a repo and collection and repossession. 
which one of those probably does not fit. Now, I'm just confessing to you. I'm not saying this was a good thing. I wouldn't want it as a profession, but I'm interested in this. And I ask her the standard questions, you know. I say, well, do you have a job? I do not. Are you looking for a job? I do not. Are you disabled? I'm not disabled. Do you have preschoolers? You got to stay home. I do not. All my children are grown. And I said, now, but... Who's going to make your car payment? Jesus is going to make my car payment. I said, could he have it at the branch by 5 o'clock today? Well, she didn't, so I repoed her car three days later at midnight on Mother's Day. Not really. See, I thought that would be so funny to do. No. Uh, now, we did pick up her car sometime after that. Now, chances are, if you ask her today... Who's going to make her car? Somebody else is going to make her car payment, maybe because Jesus did not come through with where she placed her faith. Faith is a wonderful thing. It's a necessary thing. But it cannot be in just anything, even if you're using the name of Jesus. See, it must be in truth. It must be in the one who is truth. It must be the one who is exalted and glorified, the one whom we serve and the one whom we can trust for all things, all according to his will. And we know truth by what's written in the Word of God. So how do we demonstrate faith? You're working down, demonstrate faith by being faithful. Demonstrate faith by being faithful. Frida, we're calling her, demonstrated faith. Not just because she collected a lot of jars, but by being faithful to do what was asked by the man of God. Being faithful to do what the Lord would have her to do. See, it's not about... Collecting enough cups so that you might be able to have your cup filled for your benefit. But if we're being obedient, then God's name is exalted. You're growing in Christ, and you're going to be a blessing to others. This is what happens, and this is, this is the emphasis. In the past, we've talked about the difference between God's moral will and God's personal will. God's moral will has to do with the stuff that we know that we need to do that are found in the Bible. We don't have to pray about doing these things. I mean, Lord, to help us, but, you know, don't steal, kill, lie, commit adultery. Be kind, love one another, marry the opposite sex, not the same sex. A workman is worthy of his hire. Let a man who won't work not eat. It's God's moral will, many, many others. God's personal will is he what he wants you and me to do particular. Who are you going to marry? What's your next job going to be? Where do you need to move? And hundreds of decisions perhaps that you make every day, every week, or every year. What's God's personal will for your life? I do not know. And you'll have a hard time knowing. You and I will have a hard time knowing if we're not following God's moral will. Lord, what do you want me to do in this? But we've got some sin we're hanging on to or some we're going in a direction that God doesn't want us to go and we're expecting God to answer that. We must be faithful and obedient in all things. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. In fact, today, if we're making this more than just an academic thing that we do, that we're really letting God's Word speak, then there may be something that you need to ask forgiveness where you were not faithful in something. And how about this? We've got to be confessing every day where we fail in the moral will so that we might be able to know God's personal will for our life. I want you to notice in verse 4 what Elisha told her to do. Go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons, it says in verse 4. And then in verse 5, we're in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 5. She went and she shut the door behind her and her sons. The reason I mention this is because Elisha believed in shutting the door to get along with God. 
Later on in this same chapter, around verse 33, the story of the raising back to life of a faithful mother after her son had died, is later in this chapter. But look at verse 33. It says there, So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Might remind you of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father. If you want to know and be a part of God's plan, you will plan regular shut-the-door prayer time. Shut-the-door prayer time. It, this is not an added bonus to what we're talking about. Oh, there's just This is central to being in on what God is doing. We talk about shutting the door. It may be literally going into your prayer closet, but in this day of so many distractions, stuff to take our focus away, We've got to be intentional in stopping and asking the Lord to help us to focus on Him and Him alone. We've got to help our families. We, we began talking about a couple of weeks ago about how to help the next generation. Well, with all the things that are happening in the world, if the next generation is going to have a chance, then we're going to have to help our children and our grandchildren at times to say, hey, we're going to turn everything off. <laughs> Literally, turn everything off. And let's spend some time alone with Jesus. In his word, let's spend some time uh, praying as well. The Bible, the Bible says the oil flowed until all the jars were full. And maybe all the jars in her house, maybe all the jars in that community because they were bringing her jars. And she went to the man of God and he said, sell the oil to pay off your debts and you and your sons can live off of the rest. That even rhymes, but that's what he said. Our, our central lesson he will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And there's an even bigger picture here because we know our needs are more than just physical or financial. Because we often will automatically read a story like this and we'll go to our financial needs or our physical needs, our relationship needs, our emotional needs, and all those the Lord wants to meet. But behind all of those or along with those, there's always a spiritual need. And because we live on this side of the cross... We know that all our debts have been paid. This is how we can know for sure that all of our needs will be met. On the surface, this sounds like a healthy company that is rewarding its best and brightest. In this particular story, over 400 employees received bonuses. Three-fourths of the company received more than $100,000. 51 employees received $1 to $2 million dollars. Fifteen received more than two million. Six received four million. The highest bonus was six point four million given to executives in the country. Hundred and sixty-five million dollars in bonuses were given. But these bonuses were handed out to the executives of the companies that some of you may have heard of, AIG, that was on the verge of collapse, one that had lost more money in three months, sixty-two billion dollars in one quarter. Bonuses given in a company whose financial troubles were not only inflicting pain upon all those who had invested, but were also threatening to take down a significant portion of the economy. In the AIG, they were recipients of a government bailout. The President of the United States at that time said it made him angry. A late-night political humorist says he wanted to lead a pitchfork-wielding mob after the execs. Republican senator from Iowa said the executives should fall on their own swords. Democratic representative from New Hampshire said the company's initials now stand for arrogance, incompetence, and greed. 
most of us were kind of mad about this, wanted to know how this could happen. Some individuals could receive so much money, now they receive a government bailout. It's a scandal, national folly. We want our tax money back. You may be wondering why I'm mentioning this particular today, but the Bible doesn't tell us how to handle the AIG bonus crisis. But it does tell us about the nature of the gospel. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were in debt, and Jesus bailed us out. Not only that, he gives us bonuses because not only do you get a ticket to heaven and you stay out of hell, but also you get Jesus in your heart from now on. He gives you purpose for living. He can give us joy and peace, increase our love for others as well. And he's going to continue to walk with us through the most difficult times, more than we deserve. If we believe what the gospel actually says, we would find it scandalous, all that Jesus did for us. Because we certainly did not deserve it. So as we read the last part of the little story that we read in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 7, the very last part of verse 7 says, Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. We know there's a bigger story. And you can be encouraged because in Jesus our debts are paid in full. Be encouraged because in Jesus our debts are paid in full. For Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Have you trusted Jesus to take care of your eternal needs today? If not, then I'm going to ask you today. Come, give your heart and life to Jesus. Ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord. If you have trusted Jesus for your eternal needs, then you can trust him to take care of any other need you have today. Don't let the obstacle, don't let the problem that you're facing right now in front of you prevent you from seeing the big picture and seeing and believing that the Lord is always at work. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, we thank you for your watch care, your goodness to us. We thank you that we can trust in you for all things. And the very smallest problem that we have, you're concerned about to those things that move heaven and earth. We pray, Father, that you may help us to trust in you even more today through this story that we've had read to us today to, and we've read personally to, because of the worship that we've had, Father. We know that you're going to continue to be at work. And, Father, we may we even trust you more. May we turn all things over to you. Pray for those who may be desperate today or in situations that they're not sure what to do. Father, may they know and believe that you love and care for them. And I pray by the power of Christ's name today, this week, they'll see evidence of you at work in their life for those who are in this room or those who are listening. And Father, I pray for somebody maybe in this room, maybe listening today that does not know you as Savior and Lord. They cannot say that they have for sure taken care of their eternity. And so Father, I ask now that you might be at work in their life, draw them to yourself so that today might be the day of their salvation. They know not only do you want to take care of their eternity, but you want to take care of their every day needs so that they might not just be better but they might also be a blessing to others and help others to know Jesus also we lift these prayers as you continue to be at work in this service we lift these prayers up in the precious